Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the last sermon in our church's How to Receive God's Promises series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. In the month of November, we've journeyed on this series about how to receive God's promises. The struggle sometimes is to project our promises as God's promises or to not know God's promises or how we can participate in them. And so this series, we've looked at some of those foundations, not all of God's promises, but some of those, and what it looks like to be a part of those. We've been guided by a key verse from the book of Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 9, and it reads, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so we see that kind of pattern where God makes a command, but he says, here's how I'm going to help you fulfill it, or the promise to always be with you, no matter if you're in a fearful circumstance or one that would require courage. And so today in our series finale, how to receive God's promise for mercy. Well, this was Thanksgiving week. Did you know that? Everybody remember to wear your stretchy pants? <laughs> Some of you are like, man, I should have done that. Well, did Thanksgiving go exactly like you planned? Everybody? It did. And some of y'all must not have had much planned, right? Did everybody you invite show up? Or the people you didn't invite didn't show up, right? <laughs> Did the turkey come out just right? I've realized that seldom do holiday plans turn out just like we plan them. In fact, me and my family about 10 or more years ago just said, you know what, we're going to start a new tradition. We're going to go to the beach for Thanksgiving. We just have our own tradition, make tradition with the sand and the waves instead of all those expectations. And it's gone good, but even that I've learned that you have to have some flexibility. The reservation for the condo we had got changed and so we wound up staying in a one-room hotel with two double beds. The good news is it did have a microwave. And we learned that Stouffer's makes a delicious turkey TV tray. <laughs> Four minutes on high in the microwave and voila! Thanksgiving dinner is ready. I don't know if y'all have ever watched that movie. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Some of you are like, yes, it started, you know. I cannot endorse its whole content. There's some inappropriateness to it. But the theme it shares of trying to make a holiday, excuse me, just so perfect and seemingly at every step of the way failing in those expectations or hopes and dreams. Life can be like that sometimes where we have expectations and 
disappointments. Anybody ever been disappointed? I know your turkey was perfect, but right? We face those disappointments. Disappointments are letdowns of our response to God. We've let God down. Disappointments are let down from ourself to others. And I know this is right. Disappointment from others towards us. Any amens? Right? You've been let down. But is there mercy when we've been disappointed or when we disappoint others? It seems like since the, it doesn't seem like it, it has been since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We've all inherited a sin nature where we mess up or let down God or, or sin. And in that, we need mercy from God, from others, and to give that to them. But how? How do we receive the promise of mercy? Well, let's look now to the Bible. I invite you to open the Bible or to turn it on if it's on your phone. To the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. We'll look there in just a minute. Ezekiel is a prophet in the time before Jesus. So in the old covenant. He's a priest. And he's in this journey with the people of Israel. It happened in early 6th century BC. Where he's prophesying to the people about the imminent destruction. Tell them about what's coming to their town. They've already been invaded by Babylon for punishment from their disobedience to God. And they've been a part of some of that and there's more to come. They've been let down by their leaders who taught them to rebel against God. They have been let down by their own actions in following that rebellion. And their homeland was invaded. They've experienced exile of their leaders. And now the city is going to come under siege. Or the place of Jerusalem where the temple was, was going to be starved out. If you read the whole book of Ezekiel, it's a troubling book. Some scholars think that there may have been even trauma or abuse in Ezekiel's life to where he wrote with such vivid examples. And he himself and the people of Israel experienced this trauma. Even their recovery that God would lead them to for the author and for the audience. It lays out a kind of steps to recovery from that. But in the step of what happens if the trauma happens again, Ezekiel offers a new paradigm. Let's keep it from happening again. Return to the covenant with God and God's provision will return. We will be rescued by God. Let's look now at Ezekiel chapter 34. We'll begin reading in verse 11. We'll go down, skip a little bit in the middle and go all the way through 24. Ezekiel chapter 34 beginning in verse 11. New Living Translation, if you want to follow along. Verse 11. For this is what the Sovereign Lord said. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on the dark and cloudy day. 
I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to live down or lie down in peace, says the Sovereign Lord. Verse 16, I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful, and I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. Now move down to verse 20. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For the fat sheep pushed and butted and crowded out my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. So I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Well, that phrase in verse 22 that reads, so I will rescue my flock is from the Old Testament term, a verb, and it's pronounced yesha. And its meaning is to rescue or to save or to help. And it's actually the root that the names Joshua and even Jesus contain. Verse 22's rescue is literally a rescue from the destruction laid at the hands of the Babylonians. The exile of its leaders, the siege of its city, the starvation of its people. It was a destruction, <clears throat> excuse me, caused by the rulers of Israel who led the people into rebellion and everyone was paying the price. The rescue promised, the mercy given by God is to remove the abuser and to remove the abuse. The rescue that, that restores to safety that the people enjoyed before their rebellion. And it provides a means to sustain the providence of God and ever keep it from occurring again. In this, we also see a foreshadowing or a prophecy of the Messiah in Jesus that God offers to all humanity a mercy or a rescue or salvation through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. The rescue offered to everyone who reads this, not just the original audience, for all have sinned. The rescue is from sin. It's eternal consequences and a rescue even from its bondage or hold on our hearts and lives. The rescue that provides right relationship with God. A rescue that provides a life of mercy here and now and for eternity. Let's look at this passage in depth to see how we can participate in God's promise of mercy. If you got your worship bulletin or you got it open on your phone, I invite you to take it out now. 
We'll look at these points that they might be point of action in your faith and life. Number one, receive mercy in a home with food. Can I get an amen? That sounds like my kind of promise. A home with food. Verse 13 reads, I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel. From among the people and nations, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Now, if you've never experienced the trauma of hunger, not just like I'm hungry because I hadn't eaten in an hour, but hunger like I hadn't eaten for days, or if you've never experienced the trauma of not having a safe home, these promises may feel minor. But if you've gone without food, if you've failed to have a safe home, these promises are enormous. You see, the key to recovering from trauma of devastation is to remove that cause and create a new safe space. And when you've experienced a secure home and when you've experienced the provision of a nutritious meal, recognize the source of that is the province of God. And let your heart be filled with gratitude for the source of that and all things good, God Almighty. If you had food this Thanksgiving, anybody? That's a promise of God. Did you have a place in which to enjoy it? That's a promise of God. When you're experiencing those, did you experience a heart of gratitude from the source of everything good, God himself? You miss the God of mercy and his promise if you're worried about who gets to slice the turkey. <laughs> Anybody ever argued about that? You miss the promise of mercy of God if you worry about where you sit at the table at the holiday gathering. Anybody ever worried about that? You miss the promise of God's mercy if you worry about who gets to say grace or who doesn't have to say grace. Or if you fuss or argue over your sister-in-law bringing the dish that you've always brought. And she did it again this year. It's a metaphor. This verse also applies to the provision of God in a spiritual home and spiritual food in our recovery or in your recovery from sin or its rebellion against God. The sin that may have had physical consequences in your life where you felt the, the injury from your own sin or sin of others. Maybe you've been incarcerated or somebody else was that you cared about. Maybe broken relationships. Maybe ones that were a consequence of someone else's sin or abuse. Maybe a parent that wreaked havoc in your home by abusing you or others. Maybe a spouse who abandoned you emotionally long before they ever abandoned you physically. The salvation that God intends to bring is a peace from the consequences of sin. For your sin, for other sin, to you, 
to others, to everyone that God has invited you to be a part of helping see and experience the love of God. So number one, receive mercy in a home with food. Number two, receive the mercy of rest. Receive the mercy of rest. Ezekiel 34, 15 says, I myself will tend to my sheep. This is God talking. Give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. One of the most beautiful verses is Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd. He'll lie down in green pastures. Anybody remember that? Psalm 23. Lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but after I go out or experience a fulfilling meal, my greatest urge is to lie down and relax. Oh, it's feel, you probably ate Thanksgiving dinner and as soon as it's over, you're like, just give me somewhere, give me my chair. Anybody else? Is that just me? You liars. Get your hands up. There you go. All right, because I'm doing a survey. If I'm ever not a pastor, I've decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to open a restaurant where we charge modest prices for great food, but we're going to make all our money by having the chairs be recliners, and we'll let you sit where you eat and recline back after your meal. Just take a nap, $25 an hour, and I guarantee you we won't wake you up. You stay as long as you want. That feels good to get to lie back. Oh, if you're content, if you're full, if you're in a safe home, to get in your chair. The Old Testament Hebrew word for lie down in peace is rabas. And it means to stretch oneself out. Just literally, just be stretched out in the brown and driver in Big's lexicon. The mercy of God, this promise says, it feels like that. Lie down and stretched out. Those are good feelings. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, once said about his own salvation and realizing that God has saved him, yes, even him, he said his heart felt strangely warm. When you experience the mercy of God and you know it, God's goodness feels like a ah, recliner. So if you don't have a recliner at home, tell them the preacher said, go get you. No. The promise of God is to have that kind of contentment, that kind of peace when you experience his mercy so that you may live into that. God gave us mercy and the peace that accompanies it to receive the mercy of rest. Number three, receive mercy with salvation and justice. Salvation and justice. Verse 16, the first part says, I will search for my lost ones who strayed away. And I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured. I will strengthen the weak. But I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. God's promise to offer mercy is for everyone. He offers mercy to everyone. If you know this verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, what? That whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise of mercy to everyone who would just receive faith in Jesus. Jesus said that in John 3, 16 and later in his ministry in 
the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. He's telling a parable of what God's kingdom is like. We know that parable is the prodigal son or the lost son. And it goes like this. There was a son who went to his father who had a lot and said, Father, I want my share now. Usually they gave it after he died. A ridiculous request, but the father said, fine, go. And the son went off away from his father and lived to the nines. I don't even know what that means, but he lived it up, right? A good life. And sooner or later, it dwindled and dwindled and dwindled to where he had nothing left through his ridiculous lifestyle. To the point where he experienced losing everything and the trauma of being hungry. He had nothing left. And that trauma invited a response that we hear in Luke 15, 18. He said, this prodigal son, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I will no longer, or I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please just take me in as a hired servant. And guess what? The father did. He wasted away everything he'd given. He lived a rebellious lifestyle. And the father says, you've come home. Come on in. Not only did he welcome him back, he threw a party. And Jesus said, that's what God wants to do with you. If you have rebelled against God, if you have left sin unrepentant, come home. Even if it's from the dire consequences of that sin, let it be enough to just get you moving towards God and his mercy and receive that gift. You see, the discipline for sin, the consequences, can be the very trigger that invite us to say, God, I am I'm ready to come home. God extends that invitation to you with the promise of mercy for those who do. And for those who have done that, who are home, who are a part of God's kingdom work, he says, go and do likewise. Right? Don't be a, a part of systems that propagate injustice. Go and do good for people. Share God's love. Share God's mercy. Inviting people to repent and believe. Inviting people to be restored for they've experienced the consequences of sin. The prophet Micah says it this way. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Receive mercy <clears throat> with salvation and justice. Let's pray. God, thank you so very, very much for your message contained in the scriptures and your promise of mercy or rescue or salvation. God, thank you for your provision of a home with food. Thank you for your provision of rest. Now, God, may we, everyone here, and who hears my voice, be a part of receiving mercy, sin and its consequences, deliverance from sin and its bondage. And God, I hope, hope that your presence bring to all who believe in Jesus. It's in his holy name I pray. Amen and amen.
Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.